welcome to the next episode of Fully Free with Ashley, the podcast bringing you deep talks on mental health, wellness, eating disorder recovery, hypothalamic amenorrhea, and other women's health issues. And I just want to start by saying I hope you're all doing well and taking care of yourselves during this quarantine, during COVID-19 right now. It's April 17th when we're recording this episode and I've been recording episodes a bit earlier and then releasing them later. So whenever you hear this, maybe times will have changed, but we are on to week five of quarantine right now. And for myself, I've been very blessed to have a great family environment and home environment and lots of hobbies to keep myself busy. And I'm grateful for that. Also, while acknowledging sometimes have been hard emotionally, and I just want to extend compassion and let you know that you're not alone if you feel like you are and you're not sure what you're doing half the time. It's okay, this will pass, and we're all just being strong together and holding together so we can save people's lives. That being said, today we're doing a very exciting podcast episode, as I always say, because I'm always super excited to record every single episode. But today we have a great Instagram friend of mine, and she is a fantastic health coach from the States. Her name is Jessica Ash, and we'll link all of her things below, but Jessica Ash Wellness is her brand. And I came across her on social media because I was looking into different women's health issues, and I loved and still love how she takes the time to really debunk health myths and end fear-mongering and end some of the the random stuff you'll hear on social media about what you have to do to be healthy. She's just straight to the point, straight up, does her research, super passionate about what she does, and she has lived this experience herself and healed from so many things, which you'll hear about in a moment. And I'm super grateful that she's volunteered her time to come talk to us today about birth control. Yay. So yes, today's topic is birth control. And uh, if you're my friend or if you follow my Instagram, you you would have probably seen me post about birth control uh, the odd time. I've never taken it, fortunately, because my mom just didn't believe in it growing up. And now that I know so much, I'm very grateful that I was never on it. And I also want to help other women make informed choices about whether to come off birth control or whether they should start it. And I think we should start educating moms so that they can make informed choices for their children. And... Actually, after just posting random stuff on social media, many friends have asked me for more research regarding this topic. So I plan to dive more into this topic with other specialists as well. And today will be the first one. So we're just going to meet Jessica now and she's just going to tell us a bit about herself. All right, everyone. So here's Jessica. Hi. Hey. I'm Jessica Ash. Um, I... I don't know what you want me to so like. Like, you want like me to yeah, whatever, life. anything about your your life, what you're up to, like what led you to where you are today. Okay, okay, yeah. So for me, um, I guess I can go back all the way to the beginning of when all this started and like what made me be. I think when you're growing up, you think like, oh gosh, what am I gonna do with my life? Like you always think like, oh, you know, what am I gonna am I gonna have that one thing that I'm like super passionate about and super good at? And of course, it's like, eh, probably not. Like I'm just gonna go about my life. Um, so I had all intentions to uh, go to business school and then become a lawyer. That was like always the goal. Like let's just 
become a lawyer. And so um, I like fast tracked high school, fast tracked college. I was like a go getter, go 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 go. And when I was 15, um, I started to experience like really bad uh, hormonal issues. At that time, I didn't know anything about hormones. Obviously, the only thing that I realized was like I had my period and I was bleeding all of the time. And I felt really bad all the time. Like I had really bad stomach aches. I was always really tired. I never felt good. Like everyone can remember since the beginning of time of me saying like, I just don't feel good right now. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the beginning of the end, I like to say. So I went to the doctor. My mom was obviously worried. She took me to the doctor. And I still remember them testing my hormones and saying like, you're low in progesterone. I still remember that to this day. And they said, we're just going to put you on a low-dose progesterone pill. And I thought, oh, great. Like, I'm low on progesterone. I'm going to go on a progesterone pill. And my mom was worried about the bleeding. So I go on a low-dose progesterone progesterone pill. I put quotations around it now, um, which was really just birth control. Mm-hmm. And I was on it for about, I want to say, like, two and a half, three years. I think it was, like, until I was around, like, 18 or 19. And... I, at that time, I think I was feeling like, oh, my cycles are regulated, everything's great, like, my life is great, like, I don't really want to be on this anymore, why was I even taking it in the first place, Mm -hmm. and so I just stopped taking it, and thinking nothing of it, nothing of it, and six months goes by, no problems, and then I start to get all of these issues, Um, my body's aching, I'm incredibly chronically fatigued, Um, I have horrible stomach aches, I have to take like four hour naps every single day, all the while I'm in college, like fast tracking my degree, working three jobs, Um, my hair is falling out, I'm gaining weight rapidly, I have acne all over my face, like I'm just going downhill fast, and so of course I'm going to doctor's appointments after doctor appointments thinking like, okay, they're going to have answers for me, I'm researching like crazy, Um, is this thyroid, is it autoimmune disease, like what's going on? Yeah. No one had any answers, everyone's just telling me like, you're fine, your labs are normal, and I'm like, I am not fine. Yeah, (laughs) literally, look at me, yeah. Yeah, I can barely get through my day. And uh, then I eventually, it took me about a year and a half to finally get a diagnosis of PCOS, lupus, Hashimoto's, and celiac disease. And that was kind of like the diagnosis because I was chasing some type of justification for how I was feeling. Yeah. Now I look back and I totally had what, you know, is now being coined as post-birth control syndrome. My hormones were a mess. My thyroid was a mess. I most likely had um, a thyroid issue before I went on birth control, and that's what was causing my, my bleeds to be so long. Yeah. But, of course, they just kind of covered up the symptoms with birth control. So when I come off of it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, shit hits the fan, and now I am struggling with inflammation. I'm struggling with gut issues. I'm struggling with, like, brain issues, um, insulin resistance, uh, vitamin and nutrient deficiencies. And so this starts really, like, the rabbit trail of me just diving into how do I heal my myself uh, because I have so many issues right now I think my list of diagnoses was like 26 long like 26 points long Mm -hmm. insulin resistance pre-diabetic like all these issues and so I I end up going and just trying to start researching by this point I'm bedridden so by 20 years old bedridden pretty much can't really get out of bed I still remember like trying to like uh you know 
um, limit the amount of times I would walk up and down the stairs because I would get so winded that I had to, like, make sure I, like, grab everything when I'm downstairs. I was still living at home, mm-hmm. studying, that kind of thing, and, like, make sure I carried everything up the stairs because I could barely make it up and down the stairs, you know, more than a couple times in a day. So I was really struggling. And what better time to research than when you're bedridden? And so that's really when I started to just dive into health. And um, I started, you know, with gluten-free. This is when gluten-free wasn't really popular at the time. Then I went dairy-free. Then I dove into the paleo world. And I became a personal trainer at the time. I started feeling better. Um, But then when I started working as a personal trainer, I started working one-on-one with women who are mostly in, like, 30s, 40s, 50s. And I started realizing that this, like, calorie-in, calorie-out methodology of losing weight was not working for just about anyone. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what led me to start studying hormones because I knew there was something else, some other factor causing women to have a hard time losing weight, their hair's falling out, they're starting to really, really age, their periods are getting really heavy and clotty, Um, maybe they're getting depression and anxiety, they're on multiple medications, and I was super curious as to why this was, why is this calorie in, calorie out methodology not working? And that really introduced me to um, the world of hormones. And then I started to connect the dots with birth control and hormones and thyroid. And I just dove into it and it became kind of my thing. And um, that was like really around like my early 20s. And then, you know, over the past couple of years, I went back to school. So like stopped my fast track towards law school and went back to school and dove into nutrition. Um, And it's really become my passion. Thank you. That was a really great introduction and I didn't I knew you had multiple diagnoses but I didn't know your whole story and your whole experience so I just want to say that must have been really hard and like just wow that you not only took the time to figure out what was wrong with you and try to heal yourself but now made it like your life to help other people that are struggling too yeah it was definitely like a wrench in my wheel I was definitely a very different person then like I was just like go-getter career oriented like I wanted to be a high-powered lawyer and like I just wanted to go 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 I had no patience for anyone no time for anyone no compassion for anyone like it was just like all about me (laughs) and it really made me take a step back and realize like there are other people out there struggling with this exact same thing and there's no one there to help them out and so I decided like what better way to first of all be humbled and second of all start being an advocate for women who don't even know Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think it cut out a bit at the end there, but I think you were saying being an advocate for don't even but don't even know that they need an advocate kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sorry. Um, my, sometimes my, yes. my speaker goes off. But uh, yeah, and just even like being reborn from your experience, like it's it's so cool to look back and realize you are a totally different person at a different point in your life. And I guess that's the point. Like we're not supposed to stay the same and now you can take everything right. that you've experienced and, and make such a, a bigger impact because you... I was saying at the start when I introduced the podcast to you, really take the time to keep researching, keep educating yourself, like help break down diet myths and all the fear mongering online too, which I think is so important in the in the field that you're in too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So today we're I already told everyone we're talking about birth control and you talked a bit about your experience and that sounded like a crazy experience for you coming off the pill and I know not every single woman will have that much going on, but many women, a lot, if not all, will struggle in some way when coming off birth control. So just to start, could you give us like some introduction into the types of birth control? 
Yeah, yeah. There's so you know, birth control in it of itself is not bad. You know, wanting to uh, you know practice family planning and mm-hmm. safe sex, like of course, those are not. Well, I usually when I'm referring to birth control, I'm referring to hormonal contraceptives. Yes, yeah. Um, there's different types of hormonal contraceptives. So there's the pill, which is what we're pretty familiar with. There's two types of pills. Of course, there's with me. There's so many different combinations and types and um, hormone amounts. We won't dive into that, but there are. Mm-hmm. Primarily two types of pills. There's the estrogen and progestin combination pill, and then there's the progestin only pill. And then there's um, intrauterine devices, so IUDs, and pretty commonly, like for example, the Mirena, and there's other ones like that um, that have different uh, levels of progestins in them. And then there's like the Depo Provera shot, which is um, hydroxyprogesterone. Um, or methyl hydroxy progesterone, and then there's um, like the implanon. So there's different things like implants, intrauterine devices. But most, what they all have in common is that they all are going to have this uh, progestin in them, uh, which is a fake progesterone-like hormone that doesn't act like progesterone in the body. But some of them will also have the uh, the addition of estrogen, estrogen as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's a that's a good introduction because I feel like there's so much there's so many options and most women go in or have have just been on it for so long they don't even really know what they're taking they just know they have to take their pill at like whatever time it is every day um and it's just it's just like a habit and just diving into it like what how does the pill in general like the contraceptive pill like the birth control pill and maybe even after if you want to talk about IUDs a bit how does it affect like our body systems as women our like our bones our organs our hormones yeah yeah so when it comes to hormonal contraceptives or hormonal birth control is what we have to understand and I'll, I'll rewind a little bit is even if it's not our personal purpose it is our body's biological purpose to reproduce so everything that's happening from puberty up until menopause is literally your body being ultimately consumed with either dropping an egg or getting that egg fertilized and implanted every 28 days our body is resetting for this very process and so even if that's not our personal purpose we have to understand that understand that down to the very cell itself that is what our body is consumed with and so we can't think that shutting fertility off like a light switch is going to work it's not like something you just turn on and turn off turn on and turn off it's not how it works even though we love to think about it in our heads that way and so a lot of women just think like oh i'm just taking this pill to stop myself from being able to get pregnant like no problem like not a big deal that's what it's doing it's birth control and that's what's pushed in the media that's what's pushed you know if you think about it like and I pay attention to it now because I always see it as like every book you read, every um, movie you watch, it's always like, are you on birth control? Like, are you taking the pill? Like, you need to get on the pill. And it's almost like ingrained in our heads that we cannot uh, prevent a pregnancy from taking place unless we are relying on some type of pharmaceutical. Yeah. And so in into our very brains, so we have to understand it's kind of like we have to unlearn the fact that our bodies are it doesn't work like that it's not blocking fertility from taking place it's actually shutting down our natural inborn cycle Mm -hmm. and to do that it has to literally manipulate the way our bodies work and our hormones work so it has to shut down things like um the brain to ovary connection so our body is not practicing that kind of synchronized up and down of hormones throughout the month so that we don't ovulate or if we do ovulate that ovulation 
or that egg cannot get either fertilized, or if it does get fertilized, it's not going to get implanted. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be something that takes place. And so what the birth control pill does is it shuts down our own endogenous production of hormones, progesterone, estrogen, messes with LH and FSH levels, and then it, it... input synthetic hormones in their place so uh, the synthetic hormones the synthetic estrogen and progesterone in the pill and those hormones are are shown i mean this is in research studies that are coming out every single day there's so much evidence of this um, to increase things like heart attack stroke diabetes insulin resistance um, birth control depletes of things like B vitamins and vitamin C and vitamin E, which are vital antioxidants, and B vitamins are super important for detoxification. Um, if we don't have estrogen and progesterone, our bones don't function correctly, and so it can lead to things like osteopenia or osteoporosis in some women. And so, really, all these side effects are going to be listed in the insert on your pill. Yeah. So I always recommend for women, like, if you're going to ever take something on a daily basis, you should be completely informed of what this is possibly doing to your body, the consequences of taking this long term. Um, it's also affecting our thyroid function, because if we're not making progesterone, then we're not stimulating our thyroid. And then progesterone is also really anti-stress. It helps us sleep. Um, it helps us... Um, think better like it's very pro-brain and it also helps our metabolism so over time being on the pill it's going to slow our metabolism down quite a bit and possibly affect our digestion as well thank you yeah it's just amazing to me you just going back to the start there where you said people think it's just blocking your ability to get pregnant but we fail to see the big picture of how it literally every single system of our body is connected and if we're meddling with something as big as our fertility each month like think of what else it's connected to and what else it's affecting that we don't talk about at all like unless you go looking for research on this or or looking for podcasts like this right right and we have to stop thinking of like our fertility as only caring about fertility when we want to get pregnant Mm -hmm. this is like what's permeating not just like our culture as women but also like pcos culture or endometriosis culture it's like people are making a disconnect between health and fertility. Like those two things are intertwined together. Mm -hmm. Um, Being fertile is indeed being healthy. And that doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with you if you you are not fertile, but we should see it as a sign. Like, okay, there's something, some deep imbalance going on. And it's, it's coming from every system in the body. Like you said, like every system is intertwined. And fertility is not just for people who want to get pregnant. As a woman who wants to be healthy, we should be concerned with our fertility. Yeah, it's it's like another, like a lot of people say, another vital sign. It's just as important as all the other vital signs. But unfortunately in society, we haven't got to verbally, outwardly acknowledging that yet as a, like a global thing. But I think it's good that we're having conversations about this so people start to realize how important it is. Because I even have some friends and acquaintances, like through my own recovery of my period and now trying to balance everything, um, and being very open about it. Some people have come to me and been like, wow, I actually haven't had my period in two years, but like, I didn't really think it was that bad or whatever. So people are starting to realize like, oh, wow, it's, it's not just something small that we should it, just wait for it to hopefully happen. Right, right. Or people that just don't care at all. Like they don't think it's a big deal because I can probably think back. I can't remember clearly because I just wasn't concerned with it. Yeah. There were probably periods in my life where I didn't have my period at all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know it was something to be concerned about. Like it just it went completely over my head. 
and because I because in our culture we're still consumed with seeing our period or our bleed as like oh like what a burden like it's so horrible yeah like, it's that time of the month again I know. or like you know oh Aunt Flo has arrived and it's like that is we have to shift that paradigm if we continue to see our periods like that young girls or even like marketing a lot of like tampon marketing and pad marketing and period product marketing is like oh it's that time of month again like let's just you know plug it up and and suck it up and keep going on with our lives and it's kind of like we have to shift that mentality surrounding periods or girls are going to feel like it's not only normal but a good thing if their periods aren't coming yeah exactly and even it's a good thing to get on the pill like as fast as possible like can I go on the pill like all all those questions and growing up I was at the time I didn't really think I was that fortunate because I was struggling with acne so the doctor recommended birth control and my mom was like no like we my mom never went on birth control either she wouldn't let us go on it and at the time I was like why like I just want my skin to be better I don't care about anything else uh but now I'm like so happy I'm like thanks mom for not letting me go on it but um just before I ask the next question just something that came into my head so you were saying related to the birth control pill do, do all the body systems respond the same way to IUDs is it affecting? Um, it, it is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So IUDs are progestins only. They normally, I should say, I, this is not like all consuming. Sometimes it's a different uh, hormone, but most IUDs can contain a progestin mm-hmm. called uh, levin orgestrel. And levin orgestrel kind of has like a little bit of an estrogenic effect, a little bit of an androgenic effect. And um, when you first get it in, so it's going to secrete a little bit of that hormone every day. That's what it's supposed to do. But oftentimes when it's fresh, it's going to secrete a lot more of that hormone than later on after you've had it for like a year or two years. So um, people do say that you can ovulate on the hormonal IUD, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes you're not ovulating regularly or you're probably not ovulating regularly the first year or two that you get it in when the hormones are still fresh. Um, But you also have to think of intrauterine devices all intrauterine devices are going to come with some consequence because mm-hmm. the uterus doesn't like having anything inside of it yeah. like that like a foreign sub- anything, uh, yeah yeah it's a foreign thing in the body and i've actually had women report to me saying like i when i got that iud in i knew like something was immediately not right throughout my whole body like it just i felt like there was something inside me that like needed to go it was like an internal anxiety and I had, like, women have said, like, I had to get that thing removed, and, like, immediately I felt better. Like, it's an internal anxiety. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, you know, unknown consequences of putting a, a device inside the uterus and leaving it there for years and years and years. Yeah, I've, I always think that, too. Um, I have one friend that was actually asking me quite regularly for information about IUDs, and I don't know that much about them, but I had heard, because she felt like something wasn't right either, and she just wasn't sure. So I was excited to ask about that too a bit because I feel like most people are, when they're talking about the birth control pill or birth control, sorry, in general, hormonal birth control, there's often not a lot of talk about IUDs. So I was just curious about um, that effect too on the body. Yeah, there's actually like some uh, surfacing research starting to come out of the like uterus to brain connection. Mm-hmm. There's a uterine to brain connection. And then also the uterus having its own microbiome. So I'm really excited to watch how like this kind of kind of rolls out, but it looks like the uterus might have its own balance of bacteria um, that needs to remain balanced, kind of like our digestive tract, and also could possibly be communicating constantly with the brain. 
Wow, that's so cool. I've never heard that yet. I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for that, too. I'm such I'm such a research nerd. I'm, like, reading, like, I don't even know, Google Scholar and whatever those other websites are that I used in university. I'm like, yeah, I do this for fun now. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> this, is, this is my hobby now. I know. Different topics, but basically still researching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. And then, so... What are some of the common issues that you see women struggling with that you that doctors often prescribe the pill for that just sort of cover up the symptoms but don't and how do they cover up the symptoms? Yeah, so one one of the biggest ones is going to be like a lot complete loss of the period. So like you're not bleeding every every month or you don't have a period, and so they'll say like, oh, let's prescribe this to regulate regulate the cycle. Um, which is so funny to me because it's like the cycle and doesn't just include a bleed once a month. It also includes an ovulation, which they fail to um, see. And so when you take the pill, you're not going to ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like one of those things. I mean, you can ovulate, but you're not making progesterone. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> you're missing the point of getting your cycle back. Just having a bleed once a month doesn't mean you have your period. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's like one of the biggest ones. I also see like acne. Um, sometimes people get prescribed it for like anxiety and depression, which I'm like literally causes anxiety. I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. just, I'm just okay. saying, why? Like, where did that even come from? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, what else? Like, heavy periods, ovarian cysts, um, any type of, like, hormone issues mm-hmm. that they don't really know what the cause is. They're just going to say, or they don't really care what the cause is. They're just going to say, like, oh, this is, this is our answer for regulating women's cycles, which is so interesting because... Um, it's been known since like the 1950s, 1960s when birth control first came out mm-hmm. that that at that point contraception was illegal. It wasn't legal to prescribe something that was for the purpose of, um, you know, contraception. Yeah. And so what they started to prescribe it under was the guise of regulating women's issues or, um, you know, feminine problems. And it was a way for women to get <laughs> contraception legally. Uh, but what the funny thing is, is contraception could have been designed to make us bleed every 50 days, every 60 days, every 28, you know, 22 days. It's really just designed to make it look like we are regulating our cycle, when in reality, we're just shutting down the cycle. Mm -hmm. We're just like, it's just shutting the uterus basically, but everything is still not, not aligned anymore. Right, right. Like the brain and the uterus have, uh, or the brain and the ovaries are not talking at all, or they've kind of like ceased talking how they're supposed to. Yeah, and then just another, uh, how we mentioned this before, but I just recently actually finally got a diagnosis of PCOS and like hypothalamic amenorrhea, like a bit of a crossover. Mm. Um, but I already knew I had that for three years, but I just couldn't get someone to listen to me. So I was like, yes, finally, like someone, <laughs> I'm like, I already knew this, but yay. But anyways. She tried, she recommended that I go on the birth control pill. I said no. And she said go on the birth control pill to protect your bones. And I've seen research about how that's just not true. And you mentioned before how it can actually cause the opposite. So how does that, how does it cause the opposite of that? Yeah, so our endogenous hormones like estrogen and progesterone play a huge role in keeping our bones solid and bone production. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this, this requires things like vitamin D and vitamin K and calcium. Um, and so, you know, this idea that the 
the hormones in the pill are the same exact things as the hormones that our body makes is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So yeah, estrogen and progesterone uh, that we make in our body that are bioidentical or that we're making are going to support the health of the bones. But the pill doesn't have those hormones. It has synthetic hormones that act similarly to our hormones, but not the same. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's even, if you go on, like, for example, the Depo-Provera shot, it has an FDA black box warning and says, like, known to cause uncontrollable weight gain and uh, rapid osteopenia or osteoporosis. (laughs) So it's like, um, (laughs) which is just a progestin-only shot. So I'm like, you know, to say that birth control is for the bones is actually, you know, in my opinion, almost a lie. Yeah, it's it's very upsetting when when you take the time to look at like warnings and research out there and it's just upsetting that in general as a society we become so accustomed like you said like in the movies or just hearing our friends everyone's on birth control that we don't actually look into it. It's just like we let it all go over our head like that's just normal. We should all be on birth control for trying to prevent having children, but there's so many other ways to be aware of our cycles and not get pregnant if we don't want to at this time that are healthier for our long-term health and possibly our future children's health too because of connections with epigenetics and all that kind of stuff so um yeah anyways that's a whole other can of worms but it's just very (laughs) (laughs) it's just very very fascinating um so what are some of the common things you see when let's say you're working with women or you just hear from women who are coming off the pill and are struggling like what do women often struggle with when they come off the pill um i would say like it's a variety of different things most of most of the people that i'm working with have either gone off the pill like recently and they're having problems and so they come and they're like i need help i want to work on my nutrition and my body um most people i've worked with have already come off the pill at some point Mm -hmm. whether it's been pretty recently or like a year and a half ago and they're still struggling with issues i would say the main worry or the main issue that most women have is just getting back to cycling Mm -hmm. they have a hard time ovulating again um for a while um some women don't even regain their cycle until they actually have to do some healing work another thing is hypothyroidism is pretty common post pill because if you're not making progesterone you're not ovulating you're not making progesterone um your thyroid's gonna really struggle Mm -hmm. and so if that's going on with for like five to ten years you're not stimulating your thyroid for five to ten years and so of course that's going to cause some issues plus you know the estrogen and the birth control pill when it's going unchecked by progesterone it's going to be anti-thyroid so we've got those issues a lot of women end up getting their gallbladder removed when they're on birth control because it's so um you know the estrogen in the pill does affect the gallbladder um, so that's like a pretty common thing. Wow. So having to like heal the gut, um, and even if the gallbladder hasn't been removed, it has uh, really gotten sluggish and kind of slow. And so oftentimes SIBO or small intestinal bacteria overgrowth becomes a problem. There's lots of bacteria that's kind of taking up residence in, in the digestive tract, and the estrogen in the pills kind of like slowed the digestive tract down or contributed to growth of like yeasts and bacteria because it is that hormone of like cell proliferation and growth. Mm-hmm. So we've got like a, a myriad of issues, but these issues are actually going to drive symptoms like acne, um, maybe mood swings, like anxiety, depression, maybe like um, really bad blood sugar imbalances, insulin resistance even. Um, you know, I've, I've seen people get diagnosed with prediabetes, um, really bad brain fog, hair loss is a big one, like mm-hmm. lo- losing lots of hair post-pill. Um, 
so those, those are kind of the biggest things I see, like acne, hypothyroidism, um, hair loss, and then like the mood type issues. Yeah, I've definitely heard that from, from friends or friends that have tried to come off the birth control. The main one I've heard was acne and then went right back on mm-hmm. it. They're like, I can't deal with this. Right. Like, I'm just not down right now. So it, it, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I never went on it because I already went through a bunch of other things. I'm like, I think this sort of just made my experience worse. And, like, I don't want someone to make it worse. And I'm like, thank you that I did not get that. But I also am excited to, like, help people become more aware of, of what they're maybe going through now or what they could go through when they go off it or why to not go on it in the first place. So Right. Right. Yeah. And oh, to bring up another symptom mm-hmm. is melasma. So that's pretty common. Like a lot of women are struggling with melasma, which is like the darkening of uh, skin or mm-hmm. hyperpigmentation spots, which is pretty common. But, you know, coming off, getting acne, a lot of times women are going on for the purpose of getting rid of their acne. Yeah. And so they already have problems driving acne and usually like maybe birth control will suppress those symptoms, but under the surface, oftentimes those issues are getting worse. And, then, and so when yeah. you go off the pill, it's like the acne just comes back with a vengeance. Yeah, it's like fierce. Like, I was here the whole time, and now you can see me. I'm not going to leave you alone. Uh, right, I'm back. Oh, is the worst. And just, so how do you recommend for women that are deciding to come off or think they want to come off and don't know where to start, like, taking care of themselves to help get their cycle back or prevent acne from returning or or make it faster so they can heal easier what are some recommendations you have for women yeah I usually recommend like researching first understanding like there's some women that feel that are still wanting to be on the pill but then Mm -hmm. they feel like they shouldn't be and I'm like you shouldn't really be in that place you Mm -hmm. should really truly believe that this is the right decision for you if you Mm -hmm. don't then you shouldn't you know revisit it at a later time Mm -hmm. um it's better it's better to just do your research and be like completely understanding of what's going on and actually like deep down you want to change that so that's the first thing is like do your research be be ready like don't feel like you have to do anything this is your body you know um it's just be completely informed um I think a lot of women don't aren't informed and so they go off not really knowing what to expect and that's really the problem yeah um so like things like the period repair manual by Lara Bryden is really good or the fifth vital sign or um you know even beyond the pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton is a really good place to start just starting somewhere so you understand what's going on while you're on the pill and what to expect coming off now I wish I could say like you can prevent the problems when coming off yeah but every body is so different mm-hmm. and uh, a body that has been you know had, had its cycle suppressed for five to ten years it's possibly going to need some time to recover and that recovery time is not going to be linear it could be bumpy you know the body is going through so many different shifts because like we said shutting down our fertility affects our body holistically it affects every single system it affects it affects our mineral levels, which affects our cells. It affects our sensitivity to sugar. It affects um, our vitamin balance. We our liver. It affects our kidneys. And so we can't just expect like to go off and just be like, okay, everything's back to normal. These systems have been taking a hit day after day after day for five to ten years or however long you've been on it. And so the longer you've been on it, usually the longer the recovery time is. And you know. It, also, we need to be informed about the fact that we were on a prescription that we had no idea. We didn't do our due diligence or read anything about it. Yeah. And so there are possible long-term consequences to pill use. Like, that is said in the pamphlet. 
that we just rip off our prescription and throw in the trash can. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, it's important to understand that there are, this is a lot of recovery that can be done, but sometimes some things cannot be restored. Um, but usually the steps I take post birth control with people, you know, oftentimes they're coming to me in like six months. It just depends. But the biggest thing is just getting your body back to cycling, getting your body back to ovulating, which is usually just a safety thing. The body really needs certain nutrients to sustain a pregnancy. If you think about ovulation, saying like kind of giving you permission to get pregnant, mm-hmm. um, you want to understand like your body's trying to really protect you and your future child by making sure you have all the raw materials and the raw resources to be able to sustain you know you anymore it's going to be you building a whole nother human being and prioritizing that once you become pregnant your body prioritizes baby you no longer are the star of the show yeah the body will do anything it can to keep that baby uh, alive and to to term and then feed that baby after it's born and so we have that takes ton of energy a ton of nutrients a ton of protein a ton of vitamins a ton of minerals that's really um depleting and so the body really wants to make sure we have those nutrients available in abundance and we're getting those on a regular basis and so that's really the first thing is nourishment i'm always focused on getting somebody uh, balancing their blood sugar eating enough calories eating enough protein carbs and fats from the right sources so that they can really restore um their body's safety mm-hmm. and then we're also focused vitamins and minerals so oftentimes like i know vitamin c is lost on the pill vitamin e is lost on the pill so those are things that we need to focus on in the diet um i'm also thinking like b vitamins and then minerals so i use hair tissue mineral analysis because i'm always really concerned post pill if there's like um, copper issues or iron issues because there is copper and iron in the pill um, and then also just looking at the minerals that were lost and making sure we can restore the body back to balance. But usually nourishment and really taking um, uh, taking the steps to lower stressors in, lo- in your life are going to be the most. So making sure we're sleeping, making sure we're managing our stress, making sure we're exercising, sweating, um, getting sunlight, those mm-hmm. types of things. They're very simple but very foundational. Yeah, thank you. I love that. And I know – you don't currently work with uh, Canadians, but I know a bunch of Americans will be listening. So I know I'll link you at the bottom so people can find you if, if they don't already know you to work with you one-on-one. And yeah. then you also have a course called Fully Nourished, right? Which yes. anyone can buy, and that is really the foundational building blocks for health. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? What's in your course? Yeah, so yeah. Fully Nourished is exactly what it sounds like. It's all about living a life that's very nourished, and it's particularly focused on creating kind of a nutrition it's not really a protocol it's more just like a lifestyle way of eating teaching the fundamentals of nourishment for hormonal health long term and this applies to women with PCOS this applies to women with hypothalamic amenorrhea this applies to women who are post birth control because every single woman needs to be nourished at the cellular level mm-hmm. every woman if you're trying to heal your your metabolism or your you're trying you're trying to heal all these different issues hypothyroidism or you want to feel better what makes us think that if we're not getting the right types of fuel in the body, anything's going to change? And so fully nourished is mostly about nourishing with nutrient-dense foods, um, going kind of back to a more primal style of eating. So we don't have to eat like our ancestors, but we do want to mimic some things, um, making sure that we're getting enough calories, making sure we're getting vitamins and nutrients from our food, lots of whole food, um, I guess we can call it supplementation in the sense of supplements are not going to be 
superior to real nutrient-dense foods. Our body loves getting nutrients from nature. Nature usually provides everything in the right amounts. And so I really like to teach women how to stop relying so heavily on supplementation and focus more on getting nutrients from food and seeing those as superior. But then we also dive into like foundations like light and sleep and um, uh, supplementation if necessary and um, like de-stressing and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. I, I read uh, I've read all, all about your program. I'm considering getting it myself. So anyone who's interested, it's very, very insightful and, and affordable. So I'll link that below too. And you can ask me or reach out to Jessica if you have any questions. Um, no, no worries. I'm excited. I know you're revamping it this week. So that's exciting too, adding some new stuff to it. So exciting. Yeah. And then you added a free heal your cycle course, which would be great for women with issues related to coming off birth control too. And anyway. Yeah, yeah, I have my mentor menstrual cycle course would be like a great kind of foundational step if somebody's just coming off the pill or you know they're just new to healing hormones, they don't want to like completely overhaul everything, they want like a few simple steps. Mentor menstrual cycle is a really good option for like beginners. Yes, perfect, thanks. Uh, and then so just shifting away now from diving into how we just talked about birth control, uh, what it um. Fertility awareness method, so helping women become aware of their cycles and charting and understanding their fertility. Do you know anything about that? Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, I'm definitely not a pro in the fertility awareness method, but it's not rocket science yeah. to understand our cycle. I think we can sometimes feel that way just because we're not very educated. Yeah. Um, I wish like young women were educated about this even before they started their periods. So that Me too. it was completely normalized. But unfortunately, it's not. And I really should say, like, young men and young women, because mm-hmm. I think men and women are both um, need to be partners in this. You know, if women are trying to prevent pregnancy, they're not the only ones doing that. There are two people. It takes two to tango. Yep. And so it's really important for a man to understand uh, his woman's cycle so that he can be, like, supportive and just understanding, like, just understand exactly where she's at and what that means. Mm -hmm. And so fertility awareness method is really based on just being, understanding your cycle uh, in terms of fertility. But it's so much more than that because it can really tell you a lot about your body in general. I mean, it's great to just understand your your cycle, but fertility awareness method has you track your um, your temperatures, your waking temperatures. So right when you wake up, you take your temperature and you're looking at what that reading is. Usually it's going to be pretty consistent from when you start your period up until you ovulate. Once you ovulate, you are going to, about 24 hours after you drop an egg, you will see a 0.6 temperature spike. And that's because once you drop an egg, in ovulation, that emptied egg sac becomes something called the corpus luteum. The corpus luteum is a gland that makes you progesterone. And like we talked about before, progesterone is a thyroid-stimulating hormone, and mm-hmm. so it's going to raise the whole metabolism, raise the body temperature. This is why we get a little hungrier during our, during our luteal phase. This is why we feel a little hotter, maybe. This is why we sleep a little better, or we should sleep a little better. This is why we feel a little bit more balanced, a little bit more motivated. It's because of this love fertility progesterone hormone and so um, you will see a temp spike and usually consistently around the same time every month if your uh, your cycles are pretty regular and so as you track your cycle or your waking temperature every day for 
a couple of months, you start to see, oh, I ovulate on day 12, or I ovulate on day 13, and you start to also learn to track other signs, like cervical mucus and cervical position, and these are things where you actually begin to learn your body to the point where you know exactly when you're fertile, because remember, girls, you know, we're only fertile actually for 24 hours when that egg is, is present. Once the egg shrivels up and dies, there's nothing there to be fertilized. There's no pregnancy that can take place. And then we just want to remember that sperm can last in the body for usually around five days, but we always say like five to seven days to be safe. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you drop an egg and there's already sperm present from semen that came from four days ago, and it is possible for that egg to get fertilized. Mm-hmm. And so we say your fertility window is um, how long sperm can last in the body up until you ovulate. So usually around five to seven days. And then if you're ovulating around the same time every month, some women practice, you know, abstinence during that time. Some women just like to use protection, mm-hmm. like um, a condom. Some women choose to do just like withdrawal method, whatever they're comfortable with, yeah. um, depending. And I think it's really dependent on the partner that you have, you mm-hmm. know, if it's a long-term partner that you are, you know, comfortable having a child with possibly, then usually women are going to be a lot less careful than someone that is a stranger or um, maybe like a not, you know, not a not long-term partner quite yet. Yeah. And so that's kind yeah. of the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, I definitely, I think one day I'll do a longer episode too, but I think that's a great introduction because most people don't even know what that is. Like I just started learning about that like a year ago and I've just started temping. Uh, which is pretty cool. And then once your awesome. period comes, your temp usually goes down, right? Right. Yeah. It, it, usually, so that's when I track temps and pulses because I'm tracking metabolism as well. Mm-hmm. Usually, temps and pulses will be at their lowest during our menstrual cycle. So we have, or I, what I should say, not menstrual cycle, but our menstrual period. Mm-hmm. And so we have to kind of keep in mind that our menstrual period is our most depleting or depleting time of our of our whole cycle or our whole month. Yeah. And it's because we're losing lots of blood. We're losing heavy metals it's almost like a in inbred detox in yeah. a sense like it's just a um it's our monthly detox it's a monthly way of our body shedding things that it no longer needs mm-hmm. and this will be a little harder on the body and so we will see our temps and pulses be the lowest this is kind of the true accurate picture of where our metabolism is at if we have really bad temps and pulses during our period then we need to increase our metabolism and work on our body as a whole but we will find that they are lower though at their lowest during our period okay that's so cool yeah because I've just seen your videos recently about temp um sorry not temps and pulses but I'm, I'm familiar with um temping but I've never tried yeah. pulse yet I, I I have also been really interested in your research on and your uh videos on thyroid connection to pulse as well because my I've, I'm hypothyroid right now too so I'm excited yeah. to one day dive into the thyroid more with you because I know you're like the thyroid queen so that, that's so <laughs> yeah. cool that it relates to periods too yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. Our tons of pulses will change throughout our cycle, which is which is really cool. Thank you so much. So then we're basically near the end. I can't believe that was like fifty minutes almost. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just a fun, casual conversation. And just to end, like, how are you taking care of yourself during this quarantine? And what else are you up to while you're at home? And anything else? Any last things you want to tell everyone? Yeah, you know, it's not much, uh, it's not very abnormal for me to work from home a lot. Mm -hmm. I just feel kind of like I'm, like, stuck on an island because I can't go to the gym or I can't, um, you know, it can't have my, like, room the same, but um, I have to wear a mask and gloves. So it's, you know, 
know, it's a little different, but as of now, I don't feel like I've been affected that much because I'm just so used to working from home. Yeah. Um, but I have been trying to, you know, just take care of myself with like red light therapy. Um, I'm trying not to overwork. So uh, whenever I'm like stuck at home, I always stop thinking, I was like, I'm just going to be so productive. Mm-hmm. And it always like ends up really burning me out. So I've tried to practice that balance between work and letting myself just relax and like lean into everything. When the sun comes out, it hasn't been out that much, but when it does, I try to get outside. Um, I am almost always taking my dog, Sam, on a walk, uh, usually a hike. And so we, we usually hike to the waterfalls behind my house almost every day. Oh, that's so, so nice. You know, I, I like to stay active a little bit and make sure I'm getting outside in the sunshine, but it hasn't been too, too different than what I'm used to normally. Cool. Well, that's awesome that you get to do what you love from home in a place you love. Like, I'm so jealous of where you live. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you. everyone. There's if, definitely if, pros and cons. Yeah, if you don't know where she lives, she lives near, sort of near San Diego. What's it called again? Um, I live, like, a little bit inland in um, a place called Temecula. Oh, okay. So, I've never even heard of that, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, well, awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm excited to record future episodes with you and uh, just connect more in the future yeah thank you Ashley wonderful so there's the end of the episode on birth control I apologize sometimes my speaker or I think it might be my computer has been cutting out when people are talking so the odd time and more towards the end of the episode and I think once or twice at the start there's the odd word that gets like um, the computer goes silent but For the most part, I think you'll be able to put together what what the sentence was. And if you don't or you're unsure about something, please don't don't feel bad asking or feel free to reach out to me. I'm going to link everything related to Jessica below on this podcast so you can click it, find her, connect with her. She's so amazing. So grateful. Thank you again, Jessica. And I hope everyone just continues to take care of yourselves and your loved ones wherever you are in the world. And stay tuned for the next episode of Fully Free with Ashley. Thanks, guys and girls and everyone.